this weekend just gone, I went out for some um, eggs, you know, in a restaurant like I usually do at the weekend and uh, went to this nice cafe that I'd never been to before. And I went in there, I looked at the menu, I felt like getting a little, I felt like having a little pep in my step. You know what I mean? Sunday morning, up bright and early, this was before noon. So I felt like having a little something, something extra, you know, something a little bit naughty. And I, so I asked for some, on the menu, Mexican eggs. And what these were were basically scrambled eggs, um, done with some like beans thrown in. Not like fucking bachelor's beans. <laughs> they didn't just make some scrambled egg and empty in a tin of bachelor's beans, baked beans in, into them and say, <laughs> and say, here, these are Mexican. And then you go, wait a minute, these aren't Mexican. Then they go, have you ever been to Mexico, man? No. And how the fuck do you know if they're Mexican or not? They're fucking Mexican because I said they're Mexican. But they were like proper beans, like real beans, you know, like pinto beans or something or black beans. And uh, there was salsa there and um, peppers. So it was a bit Mexican. Okay, now listen, the fucking ingredients of the eggs. Let's not get bogged down there. That's not the fucking point of the story of this tale that I'm uh, weaving. I ate the eggs, had two cappuccinos, the usual fucking shit that I to my body and then I went up afterwards to pay to the nice waitress she was serving behind the counter too and I was chatting away being a nice and fucking polite man as I always am I'm a nice polite person my mother raised me well she raised me to say please thank you and she gave me cod liver oil made me say fucking thank you for that so you know I'll say thank you to anything and uh, I was chatting away about the weather. Oh, the weather is very changeable, isn't it? Oh, jeez, it is. Yeah, it is. You know, fucking, it's supposed to be summer, you know? It's supposed to be summer. Uh, here we are, though. Jesus. Anyway, it came time to pay. I came to something like 16 euro, 16 something. And I gave her a 20 euro note. And uh, what happened was that took me by surprise, really. It was like one of those things, you know, when it, uh, something happens and it's not until moments later where it sinks in. It, it, it doesn't feel real at the time. Because what she did was she had her cha- my change in her hand. And uh, she was going to hand it back to me. But as her hand was coming towards me, and just as I was about to raise my hand, she opened her hand. And dropped the four euro or thereabouts change into the tip jar. I was stunned. (laughs) Now, I always leave tips. I probably would have left a tip there whenever I get Deliveroo, which is six times a week. I I tap the thing two or three times, two or three euro, you know. I'm well known for it. Deliveroo people, they know me for it. I'm a tipper. But this lady took it upon herself to assume that I would tip. She took all my change. I never said keep the change. I know I didn't. I never, I wouldn't say keep the change. Saying keep the change makes you sound like you're 
a pervert. Only perverts ever say, keep the change, love. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dirty bastards say, keep the change. I'm not a dirty bastard. I take the change back and I throw some of it into the tip jar. The polite way. But she just dropped it in herself. Without even fucking asking me. Without even... Uh, she just assumed. There was no way she misheard that I'd said it. Now, listen, I tip. I worked jobs. I worked uh, I worked as a glass picker. The lowest of the low. That's lower than the lowest job you can possibly have. <laughs> and I was terrible at it. And a couple of times someone gave me a fiver. And I was up over the moon. You know what I mean? So I know what tipping is like, but this lady just took it upon herself to drop it. She just dropped it in. Couldn't believe it. So I said to her, I said, hey, how, what are you doing? She said, well, I said, you, you just dropped my change into the thing. You didn't give it back to me. She said, oh, sorry, I thought you, I, I, I just assumed. I said, you assumed that I was going to pay you all that fucking change. You, you assumed. Is that what you did? You assumed. Huh? You know, I, I said, this is extremely rude. I said, I want to speak to the manager right now. Actually, that never, obviously didn't happen. What happened was I left in a shocked state of silence and didn't go back or anything and just walked home stunned told Kira about it gave out to Kira about it (laughs) you know now I was saying on the podcast a few weeks ago um, how I love bad service how it sort of is a maybe a psychological way for me to beat myself up because I, you know, like, because maybe I don't deserve good service or whatever. I can't remember what fucking shit I was talking about. But this is beyond the pale, man. This is stealing from the working man. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> now, I probably will go back to that place again because I do like my eggs and beans. But if this happens again, am I going to be strong enough to say... Excuse me, my my dear. No, I couldn't say my dear. That's very condescending. Excuse me, madame. (laughs) Excuse me. Just excuse me. Do you mind? But I won't say that, will I? Because I'm pathetic. But anyway, that's just something that happened the weekend. Shane's Brilliant Podcast. Hello and welcome to Shane's Brilliant Podcast with me, your host, Shane Clifford. How are you getting on? Did you have a fantastic weekend since I last spoke to you? What did you get up to? Hmm? Did you go drinking in pubs and stuff like that? Um, I'm actually having a beer now. Wow. Things have gone way downhill. <laughs> I'm having a fucking beer while I'm doing the podcast on a Tuesday night. Things are, this is debauched. I'm debauched. Um, it's funny to say debauched in a like triac. Debauched. It was fucking debauched, boys. My man's pure debauched. <laughs> uh, but yeah, do you know why I, I why I'm having a beer? Because I uh, have been having awful technical difficulties with this podcast for the last forty minutes. And I got so angry that I said, you know what, I'm going to open a beer. And uh, I did. And I was even so fucking 
felt like I was so uh, off the rails. I opened it with a lighter. I've never done that before in my life. I was like, fuck, fuck society, man. Fuck society. Fuck, fuck my technical, technical difficulties. Fuck society. I'm not using a bottle opener. I'm using a fucking lighter. Yeah, so if the sound is a bit weird or something tonight, I apologize. You know, just had some minor technical difficulties, which I will iron out for the next show. Um, So, yeah, welcome to the podcast. It is uh, the week of Thursday, the 9th of June, July, I mean, and it's summer, but it's fucking raining out there, man. It's pissing rain all day. It's that sticky fucking rain. You know, people always say that. I hate that sticky rain. <laughs> oh, yeah, like you love all the other rain, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's raining, um, which I don't mind. You know me, I'm a miserable fucker. I actually like the rain. I hate the sun. <laughs> I hate the sun, you know. I like the rain. Um, and uh, I was in town on Saturday I'm from Dublin now. Do you know I moved moved to Dublin, so I call I call it town. I call it the center of the city town, because when I used to come up to Dublin before, and I used to meet like other comics, um, and they'd be saying, "Oh yeah, just uh, you can stay in my house, and we'd walk into town, or whatever," you know. And I said, "Going into town? That's not a fucking town. That's not a town, man. What are you talking about? It's a, you live in a city. I live in a fucking town. You live in a city. Stop calling it a town." stupid i live in tralee tralee is a town um but now i've become the person that calls calls it town so i went into town to meet kira after she finished work and we were walking home and we said we'd take a shortcut up a place called uh, dame lane now you might have heard this weekend on the the social media People had people took to social media to complain. I walked through there, man. Before, like, I, I wasn't going. Th- this is before that there was any Ferrari. I walked through there when I didn't know what was going on. You know, I wasn't going in there for a peek. But all I can say was that uh, I turned to Kira after when we walked through there, and when we got out the other side, I turned to her and I said, "That was a vision of hell, hell on earth." It was horrible. I don't know. Do you know what it reminded me of? A Hieronymus Bosch painting. I don't know if that's how you say his name. Hieronymus. Is that it? Hieronymus Bosch? What a stupid fucking name. <laughs> Hieronymus Bosch. What? Who is called Hieronymus Bosch? Why do all these painters and artists and avant-garde fuckers have all these stupid names? You know, they're all like Hieronymus I yeah, my name. Imagine if you met a fella called Hieronymus down the pub, down the pub. Hi, yeah, my name's Shane. What, what what's your what's your name? Hieronymus. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Who let this guy in? Hieronymus. Uh, but yeah, like there's Hieronymus and Leonardo. You know, Michelangelo, Botticelli, Pavarotti, all these painters, man. Why don't they have names like Tim? You know, you never hear of a painter called Tim. <laughs> who painted that? Who painted that masterpiece? Tim. But then if you said, who painted that masterpiece? Hieronymus. They go, oh, it's brilliant. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, look at his thing of hell. He has a 
he has a painting as the depiction of hell and uh, it's very famous but that is what outside dame lane was like on saturday evening it was it was humanity at its lowest <laughs> because it wasn't even depraved enough it was like bore it was Right, what it was, if you didn't hear, and I've been going on, is that you go, when I walked in there, it was wall to wall uh, people in their late 20s, early 30s, late 30s, so 30s, um, dressed in shirts, jeans and brown shoes, you know, women were wearing dresses and whatever they wear, and, uh, they were down there drinking because they couldn't just fucking wait. And they said, do you know what, man? We go down, we go out to fucking get pints, man. And they could, they said, do you know where we go, man? We go down fucking damn lane. It's quiet, man. And every fucking idiot had the same idea. And it was horrible. Like walking through there, I felt like I had contracted the, the dreaded virus. You know, no one was wearing a mask. It was like, and it felt a bit like an illegal rave, but with fellas with brown shoes, you know, and women drinking wine. It was like an illegal rave. It was like if you'd had a rave and you took out all the fun. And somebody told me afterwards, because none of the pubs around there seemed to be open. I don't know where they were getting the drinks. Um, Somebody told me that, a friend of mine, Tony Mack, told me that the people that were there were actually had to you know as you do when you're drinking you have to urinate and defecate and they did that in the just in the surrounding area just up and down dane lane there was pissing human pissing shit all over the place disgusted animals you know and never mind spreading the fucking virus around if it is around we don't know <laughs> if they're like we have to go down man and get fucking pints I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to go to the pub when they reopen on the 20th of July. It was horrible. And except for one fella who, you know, what the thing was, it was full of, it was like full of just people that you'd hate. It was full of rugby fans. You know what I mean? And uh, fellas called Tig and, uh, you know, Porrick. <laughs> Except for one guy, when I was walking through, gave me a wave. He said, Shane, gave me a wave. So like a fan of the podcast or maybe just of other things I've done. So I gave, I was like, all right, Tyke. Uh, so if you're listening to this, if you happen to be listening to this, not you. I mean, everybody else is a dickhead. You're fine. So, um, but anyway, coronavirus. It's still here, man. It's still here. Is it going to come back? Is it going to come back to Ireland? Um, I probably, I don't know. Kira, uh, <laughs> Kira was trying to watch Harry fucking Potter tonight. And uh, I was like, just reading on my phone. And I said, Kira, it's definitely going to come back. She said, Shane, shut the fuck up. Shut up. Talking about it. <laughs> but I can't, man. But, uh, you know, at least when, if it does come back, it, uh, the only good thing is that it um, kind of keeps our minds off the other great problem of the of the day, which is the fucking recession that's coming. I mean, come on. 
How many more things are going to go wrong in the world? Why is God picking on me? (laughs) Personally, when uh, the recession in 2008 started, I was 21. So I was just coming into my life. And I remember the recession happened. And I remember thinking, what? How dare you? That's what I was saying to God. It's like, how fuck? What? I was like, my parents... And like older brothers and, you know, people in that generation, they had the most booming economy in the history of the world. And then I get this. Are you serious? When I'm 21, how dare you? I couldn't believe it, you know. Uh, People look back, I think people kind of look back on that recession now with sort of, um, what would you say, what's a rose-tinted glasses? Uh, maybe not, maybe that's just me, because I was on, well, I was working, so I was okay, I suppose, I was working in um, a supermarket, which you might know, Tesco, and I'll tell you fucking how I knew it was going to be bad, the recession, the CEO of the place, uh, he used to come around every Christmas, right, and he would come in and just like say happy Christmas, but this year he came in, and he stood around everyone. He said, lads, listen, it's going to be tough. We're going to have to pull the strings. We're going to have to tighten up. There's going to be no, probably no bonuses this year. So we were like, oh, you know, fuck. And then he fucking gets into his Shefford limousine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And drives away. So that's companies love Big companies fucking love a recession, man. I know it. I'm convinced. I'm not an economist. I'm not... What's his name? McWilliams over there and his podcast. You probably listened to him. But I think big companies love a recession because in that instance, they can go, fucking hell, man. We now have an excuse to just tighten everything up. Now we can get rid of people and say, recession... You know, now we can stop bonuses, we can cut wages, we can do all this stuff. So they fucking love it. Um, So I knew it was going to be bad then. And maybe, am I looking back and it, I mean, it was probably terrible for most people. And it was terrible. It was like, the, I remember, remember all the fucking shops closing down. If you go on, this is something I did recently. If you go on to Google Maps... And go into your town. Like I did this in Tralee. And Google Maps actually started it in 2009. So just kind of when the recession was. So like the crash was in September 2008. So the recession really didn't come into effect until probably like late 2009, 2010. All right. If you go onto Google Maps, you can go and you can actually change the time on Street View. And you can go back in time and walk through your town or Dublin or wherever you live. Clan fucking Mel for some reason on Google Maps in 2009, right? So I was doing that. And then I, if you you can change it to the next year. So it was like 2011. And you can go back and forth. And there was a shop in 2009 called like something like, you know, Lots of spoons. <laughs> right in the center of Tralee. Lots of spoons. And it was just fancy spoons. That cost like 20 quid each. And then if you just change the, the the date. On the thing to 2012. 
it's just cash for gold. (laughs) I mean, it's just a perfect encapsulation of the recession. It was like, it felt like almost overnight, uh, you know, all colour was drained out of uh, Trilly and replaced with cash for gold. Which is a stupid fucking name. Cash for gold. (laughs) In a recession. Like you're there going, oh shit, I have no fucking, I need money, you know. But I'll tell you what I have up in the attic. I have a lot of gold bars, gold bullion. I'll bring them down to that fucking (laughs) cash for gold place. Trade them in and get a 15 euro and season six part one of NYPD Blue. Those cash for golds are grim. Are they still around? I think they must be dying out now, are they? They've got that CEX, which is like cash for gold with fancy pants on. There's always a weird smell. Like you can smell a cash for gold. It was a smell of like must, uh, musty clothes and sweat and mental illness. <laughs> it was the smell of mental, of like serious mental, mental illness. You kind of felt sorry sometimes. You saw things in the window, you know, you'd be walking past and you'd see like a fucking Les Paul guitar, probably worth two grand. It's in the window then for, you know, 800 quid. It's like some fucking poor guy and down on his knees, his wife is going, get rid of that fucking guitar, man. That's get that'll feed us for two weeks. It's like, no, (laughs) tears come down his eyes. He has to take it off the wall. He probably sits down, has one more plays you know Layla once more just him and the guitar I'd like to be alone <laughs> he says that to his wife I'd like to be alone with the guitar and uh, you know and then he has to drag it down to fucking cash for gold he brings it in he puts it up on the counter he's like oh, yeah this is a Les Paul it's you know it's, it cost me 2,200 uh, dollars I'll give you 400 for it <laughs> can you do any better can you do any better, sir? No. But yeah, they do have a very distinct stink, those cash for golds, don't they? It's like just sweat and unwashed clothes and hard, solidified semen. <laughs> <laughs> but there seemed to be a lot of, in the, from my rose-tinted thinking, now this could be complete and um, out of, rea- not based on reality. By the way, that reminds me of Something funny, uh, I saw a, head, a funny headline I saw this weekend. Kanye West is going running for the president. And the headline was, Kanye may not be edg- el- eligible to run, according to reality. <laughs> That's what it said in the headline. But, um, what was it? Oh yeah, so, yeah, thinking back to the recession, like the Great Recession. And it seemed that, I think because I was like 21, 22... 23, 24, 25, you know, lasted years, probably still, still in Tralee, you know, Tralee never recovered, Tralee's worse now than it was in the height of the recession, like the middle of the town is, is grim, you know, like there's never going to be a lots of spoons there again, I can tell you that, and, uh, but at the time, maybe it's just because of the age I was, and I didn't really have much pressures, uh, it was, there was a lot of drinking happened. A lot of drinking. Because nobody had no much money. Nobody had anything to do. So what did we do? Drank. The Irish way. Of every fucking problem. 
You know, what have we got? We've got a fucking deadly virus. Drink. What have we got? We have to wear masks now. Let's drink. Which, you know when they open the pubs and they say, oh no, you have to stay there for 90 minutes and you have to do um, social distancing and you have to wear a mask and all this and you have to you, you have to buy food, blah, blah, blah. You think drunk fucking people are going to obey social distancing? No, of course not. It's going to be a disaster. <laughs> it's going to be a disaster. But, uh, yeah, these, um, but thinking back, man, yeah, the recession, like there was, I remember there was a pub in Tralee and it had up over the, uh, the door, a big sign that was there for years, maybe eight years. It said, you can't have a recession without a session. (laughs) No, that was a big sign over the pub, over the sports field bar. You can't have a session without a session. And it's like, no, you can a session, if you don't know, uh, if you're not from Ireland, a session is what we call drinking. You know, <laughs> we call it a session just to give it a really uh, formal name <laughs> for some reason. Really formalize going drinking all day long. Yeah, it's a session. Just make it fucking sound serious, you know. <laughs> uh, a session, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> makes it sound like, where's Shane going? He's going on a session. Oh, God, no. You know, and my mother is there at the door waiting for me, looking at the door. And then all of a sudden, some guy comes up with a, knocks on the door with a, a flag <laughs> and a, a, a medal in it. Sorry for your, your son, your son's loss, but he drank bravely. He died face down in a kebab. Um, but yeah, a session is where you go, you take your drinking seriously. Um, uh, like that's like where you go out at 12 and you don't come home till 10. You know, where you drink yourself sober. Or you drink yourself, you think you're sober, but you're still drunk. You know, that, that way when, you, when you're home at like 10 o'clock and you just, you've hit a wall. Um, I... Uh, used to drink when I was like that age when I was like 21 I used to do the sessions a lot like that and one time right tell me what you think of this I went out to the pub right now I was only maybe 23 at the time met some people and met I was still I was going out with Kira and she messaged me I said yeah I'm, I'm on the way home now I'm going home but what I actually did was I went home and got the bottle of whiskey that I had went to a house party Stayed drinking at the house party. Saw a fella get his nose broken. Left the house party at 8 o'clock. Went to what they call in Dublin an early house. Or a fucking pub that opens in the morning. 7 o'clock went there. Stayed there till 2 o'clock. Stayed out until 8 o'clock that night when I was absolutely balubas. Do you know what I was, man? I was blue. Blue shampoo. Anyway, my fucking mother came looking for me. Kira came looking for me. The whole fucking town thought I would... Not the whole town. My whole family was looking all over the town for me because my phone was dead and everything. It was a whole scene, man. And uh, I went home and I was like, oh, why you can't just let me be, be do what I want to do? <laughs> I went into bed. But Kira reckons, and she still says it to this day, she says that at that moment, that occasion, I went on a bender. That's what she says. 
that was a bender and I disagree I don't think one night you can have a bender over one night into the next day Kenya what do you think I think a bender is three days minimum of just drinking sleeping getting up drinking you know and sometimes even not sleeping that's a fucking bender not going out and going staying out all night and coming home the next day that's not a bender that's just being a a, a, you know a, a party animal partying down being a dickhead maybe not telling my girlfriend or my parents or whatever where I was but it's not a fucking bender I've never went on a bender so if you ever see me in Dublin the street with holding hands with Kira, go Kira. it wasn't a bender not a bender <laughs> alright uh, just let her know thank you so there was the drinking and those head shops remember those head shops with spice that was bad stuff I remember being in a place and uh, you know just having to smoke and the whole room being silent for 20 minutes until somebody was like, that's fucking fair strong, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, that stuff was no good. But I, I see that the, the new Minister for Health is saying that he's open to leg- legislating uh, the demon weed, which he should. I mean, it's pathetic that it's not, it's embarrassing that it's not legal. I mean, why it wouldn't you legalise it? It's the most, I mean, it's not harmless, obviously, but like, I mean, I'm not going to go through it because you. If, if you're listening to this, you know, all right, it's stupid that it's illegal. Even if you don't smoke it, even if you're like, I would never smoke it. I don't agree with smoking it. It being illegal is so stupid. I mean, all you're doing is letting gangs make shitloads of money and employ fucking 14 year olds and have them on Instagram accounts selling their weed for them, you know? Um, when you, the government could be making that money and you could be going down and you wouldn't, if you do buy it, you wouldn't have to go to some fucking fella's flat in the middle of nowhere and, you know, there's another guy in the corner and he's eating just straight Calvita cheese out of the fucking packet staring you in the eye. That's an unnerving sight. And listen, lads, if you're fucking feeling down about the recession, all right, if you're feeling down that there's going to be a recession, just go like this to yourself. Well, there can't be a session. There can't be a, re- a recession without a session. And go fucking drinking all day. You know. Spend all your dole. <laughs> uh, when I left my job actually man. I was on the dole and it was good. Do you know what the best thing about the dole was? The dole day treat. You know you get a bag of chips. And a, and a, a doner kebab. Mmm. The dole day treat. Or you go for a cappuccino. I'll have another one please. <laughs> <laughs> faces t- heads turn uh, cups drop into the floor and then they say ah must be dole day the dole day treat so that's all I've been I haven't really done much this week I had uh, I've been doing some writing and I have been um, playing my guitar a lot and I had to come to the uh, conclusion that um stop playing my guitar so much because I'm not good and I'm playing it all day long I'm playing it for hours and I'm not good and I'm not a good singer and I'm watching like too much fucking Paul McCartney going I could do that when there's no fucking way I can Kira said to me she said Shane 
you do not have... Listen, look, you're good at other things. You can do comedy, okay, right? You can do, you know, crosswords. <laughs> you don't have to be good at singing or writing songs. You don't have to. But I have something in me that's like, I want to be good at that. You know what I mean? And it's a complete waste of time. So I have to go, no, fucking stop playing guitar. Stop playing, learning how to play. Stop trying to sing Killer Queen. Sing an easier song. You know, why am I being so fucking, trying to be the best guitar pop songwriter? Why am I trying to be Paul McCartney? You know, there's no, I can't do that. So I have to stop doing that now. Like, um, and just concentrate on getting back into doing comedy, comedy writing. Because that's all I was doing before, like, the lockdown was just writing, writing, writing comedy. But now I'm fucking playing uh, Elton John songs. Writing my own little riffs, you know, and it's just a complete waste of time. So if you see me walking down the place with my guitar, just tell me to put it away. Uh, so I didn't have much. Re- I have some emails actually that I should read. Okay, this comes from this. So this email comes from a, um, a fella by the name Luke Whelan. Hi, Luke. He says, "Hey, Shane. Luke here from Tralee via Edinburgh." Uh, quick question for the pod. I saw you last year at the Edinburgh Festival and you were great. Thanks, man. Unfortunately, my mate and I made up 50% of the audience. <laughs> Was that the smallest audience you've ever played to or has there been even smaller? Keep up the good work, boy. Thanks for the email. Um, I, re- I think I might remember you. That's how fucking... <laughs> I can remember individual people. That's how little people came to the show in Edinburgh. So uh, you were right. I think there might have been, yeah, four there. Four um, audience members. That was fun. Um, And the most I had was 30. The least I had was four. And, you know, on average, it was about six. And I only did it for like a week. But um, is that the sm- for? I'll answer your question first. Is that the smallest audience that I've ever played to for? No, it's not. Not the small. I did a preview that wasn't advertised. I just wanted to do new material, and I did it in Workman's, and there was two people there, which was horrific. It was genuinely horrific. It was um, a nightmare beyond all... (laughs) No, it wasn't that bad. But I mean, some people think that going to do stand-up, and if you do it in front of 200 people, like if I said that to you, all right, you're going to go on tomorrow in front of 200 people, you might go, oh, fucking hell, that's nightmarish, right? But after you do it for a while, I think, well, for me personally, it could be different for other people, that doing it in front of 200 people is much easier than doing it in front of two. Because doing it in front of 200 people, you might have, there's bound to be, even on their worst day, there's bound to be, you know, 25 at least that like you and that laugh. And they might start spreading the laughs around a bit. So you might die or you might do badly, but at least you'll be getting something. Although I have died in front of more than 200 people. (laughs) Uh, 
but when you do it in front of two, if one of them doesn't like you, that's half the audience. And when you're doing your Edinburgh show, as you will know, Luke, you have to do a fucking nearly an hour. I think I might that day I might have cut it down because, or did I do? You know, sometimes you just go fuck this man, bring and bring it in under forty. You know, um, but you have to do an hour. So when you're there, doing your jokes, and this is going terrible because there's four fucking people there, and they're all afraid to laugh, and you look down at your watch, and six minutes have gone. <laughs> Oh, getting fucking flashbacks to that. That's happened where I've looked down and gone, shit, six minutes. I've even said that to the audience by accident, like out of surprise. Six minutes. <laughs> and you're like, oh, man, I used 20 minutes of material there. Um, so, no, that's not the smallest audience I've ever played to, but it was fairly small. That whole run was small. But I remember I did one show there in front of maybe six people and it was one of the best shows I've ever done. So you don't really know. I did a, a support slot for somebody in Vicker Street. So that was, well, I don't know how many fill the Vicker Street. Let's say there was 850 there or something. And I died in front of that many people. And that, that was bad. <laughs> and that's the most I've ever played to. Um... But, yeah, those Edinburgh shows. Because people think when they go over to Edinburgh that they're going to become a star. They're going to get picked out. They're going to end up on Have I Got... No, not Have I Got News For You. What's the other one? Eight out of ten cats. They're going to get a a TV show, a sitcom, and they're going to make it. But what they fail to realize is there's another 10,000 people who are also going over there for the very same thing. So the chats is minuscule you know so if if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking about going to edinburgh my advice would be do not have any expectation of being quote unquote discovered you know don't have any or of being you know getting an agent or whatever go there just to perform because that's what i was going to do this year because last week, the year where Luke came was just kind of a, t- a toe-dipping exercise. You know what I mean? Um, it was, or I just want to see what Edinburgh is like. I'll do a week. Um, so this year, I was going to be getting ready. I would have been getting ready now to go over and uh, do the full 30 days. To probably audiences of four, five, and six Things like that, you know, because I just want to perform because you get better. When you do uh, shows in front of three, four people, you get better because it kind of builds up a a shell where you, you're like, all right, now I have to do a show in front of 30 people, piece of piss. You know what I mean? Um, But by God. Do not go over to Edinburgh with any expectation. Because people think the Edinburgh Festival, this is what I've found. Uh, people who be gone, oh, what are you doing, you know, the summer? Oh, I'm doing the Edinburgh Festival. I'm going over to Edinburgh. Oh, wow, that's brilliant. Congratulations. Right? They say that to you as if, you know, you were picked for the festival or something. But anyone can go to the festival. You now, listener, who has never done comedy in their life, if you wanted to next year when it's on, you could just make a show and go over there 
and do it. Anyone can do it, you know. But um, so, but what was my point? The point is, do not go over there with any expectations. Just go over there to see other shows. That's what I did. Saw lots of other shows. Did my fucking show in front of four people. <laughs> I mean, the worst thing for me is that you have to flyer. You have to go out and stand in front of the venue with flyers with your face on it and start handing them out to people going, hey. And then some people are good at flyering. They're like dancing around the place. Hey, you want to come see a show? You want But that is just not me. I can't do that. I'm like, hi. Yeah, here's my show. I'm in it. <laughs> and I think I probably got no one in from doing that. So it is a slog. It is fucking horrible. One time, just to answer your question, is that the smallest uh, show I did? No. One time I did a set. So it wasn't a show. It was just a set in Cork in front of four people as well. Um, and that wasn't just in a club. And um, when I finished, uh, the next day, the club owner was like, oh, how did you find that went? And I was like, oh, it was kind of tough, you know. And he was like, really? You found a tough shirt? Two of them said they liked you. <laughs> That's what he said. Two of them told me that they actually liked you. Which also uh, suggests that the other two didn't. <laughs> which is 50% of the audience hated me. Um, but yeah, look, but that's stand-up, man. I think a lot of people... Um, no, a lot of there's especially coming from social media. If you've got like a social media presence, and then you go into like live comedy stand up, um, you never get that thing where you're doing it to. You're kind of doing it to your own fans instantly, and you never get that thing where you're doing it to like nobody, which is I think crucial to getting any good um because if you're doing it in front of like your own fans all the time then anyone can do that you know but it's it's doing it you have to go out there and i've done shows in front of five people i've done like like four people to me is a doddle um so anyway yeah sorry that's your question stand-up is grim (laughs) to uh answer it stand-up is very can be very grim it can be the highest highs and by God, the lowest fucking lows. Traveling all the way, spending, you know, two grand to travel to fucking Edinburgh to perform in front of Luke and his friend. <laughs> One, actually, on that run in Edinburgh, I was doing a show in front of six people and it was going terrible. And uh, about halfway through it, I said something and a guy in the audience who had been just looking at the floor. He was like a middle-aged fella. He was just looking at the floor. I said something, you know, trying to be funny. And he looked up at me and he went, that's funny. <laughs> so he went, oh, that's funny. That's funny. I was like, oh, thanks, man. Cheers. I was like, you just have to, if you want, you can just laugh instead of pointing it out. <laughs> when you think the one funny part is. And I got another email from a guy called uh, Connell Gunnigan. Gunnigan? Gunnigan. Dear Shane, love the podcast, man. Just caught up with all the episodes of previously missed. Keep up uh, the brilliant work. I had a nightmare recently where I was in Tralee and the Rose of Tralee was on, but they had changed up the format. 
It was now a kind of Love Island setup, and I somehow ended up as a contestant. I was hammered, and I had forgotten to take my medication, so the mixture of anxiety and alcohol was stopping me from being able to talk any of the women contestants. In spite of that, one of them invited me back to an after-party with Crystal Swing. When I woke up, I realised that I had my headphones on and was listening to the episode where you were talking about the Rosa Tralee. Have you had any weird dreams like that recently? Um, Have I had any weird dreams like that recently? No, but I do remember that happening to me where I'd be listening to music and then the music is in my dream. Like I remember listening to uh, Revolver, the Beatles album, because that's all I do, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a sad man. All I do is listen to the fucking Beatles and Beatles um, fucking um, like solo stuff. I'm even on an app called Quiz Up. I'm the number one in Ireland for July at quiz questions about the Beatles. I can't be stopped. Uh... Um, but to answer your question, I haven't been having weird dreams recently. I used to have a really bad recurring dream where I would be... This was the dream. And this used to happen every couple of nights. I would... Uh, it would have turned out in the dream that I had murdered somebody. Okay? When I was a child in Gallows Field. And I hid the body. And in the dream... It was just that I was going to be found out. That people were going to start digging up in the area looking for that body. And it used to disturb the fuck out of me, man. You know, because I used to wake up then. Because the dream was just high, intense pressure. Because I was like, oh my god, there's a dead boy down there. <laughs> I mean, it's grim. It's fucking grim, actually. I don't know why I'm telling you this. This is a therapy session. But there was... Uh, you know, oh my god, there's a dead boy in there and, and I killed him 10 years, 20 years ago. Now they're going to find out. I used to have that dream nightmare every nightly. It used to fucking terrify me because you wake up and then sometimes you go, wait a minute, did I actually do that maybe? Did I actually do that? Did I actually murder somebody who was a child and I've blocked it out? And it's actually true. But I think what it was was that I hadn't actually murdered someone <laughs> in real life, but that it was probably something to do with fucking, you know, my parents or some shit, some childhood trauma that I was trying to bury. Or You know, the way dreams are supposed to have all these... I hate dreams. Fuck them. Fuck dreams. Just tell me, man. I wish it was just a fella sitting in a chair. Instead of all this, like, symbolism about dead fucking secrets buried in a industrial estate, if there was just a guy in your chair going... <sighs> Uh, you have a problem with your dad. <laughs> that would be a good dream. You've got unresolved issues with your father. <laughs> Wouldn't that be way better? Instead of you flying on, on, you know, on the back of a dragon over a picture of your naked mother or whatever, you know, eating a banana. And you're going, what the fuck does this mean? And if you were just like, yeah, yeah, you know, you have a... When you were a child, your mother stole your banana and you've never forgiven her. Wouldn't that be just fantastic? So yeah, I haven't had that dream where I'm, I'm a child murderer in a long time. But I have actually talked to other people, spoken with other people, who have actually had the same issue. The same dream, like the almost exact same dream where they've they've been a murderer in the past. Or, you know, that they've killed somebody. So it must be a common thing. Like uh, when people dream about... I never had that dream about um, fucking... What's it called? Doing the leave insert. Because I didn't... I, f I knew I failed my leaving cert anyway. There was no stress. Uh, but I did 
I do have dreams often about working in Tesco and that there's a, there's a fucking visit from the CEO. He's coming down. He's fucking limousine telling us we're getting no um, bonus, and I have to have everything packed perfectly. I have to have it looking great, and every time I do. You know, I turn around and it's all shit again. I do have that anxiety dream. Uh, You know. And then I'm like, what the, why am I having these nightmares? So wouldn't it be better if I fell asleep and there was a guy in a chair going, you're nervous about the big show next week in Edinburgh in front of Luke. You know? Um, So how long have I been talking for? An hour. And you know what? Uh, I've been talking for an hour and... I, I don't think I said very much. <laughs> uh, but listen, thanks for the emails. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. And this is something I forgot to say in the uh, bit where I was talking about uh, Dame Lane. Here's a joke that I came up with that you can use with the lads, a bit of banter with the girls. Just go, you know, do you know Temple Bar? Dame Lane, that area there. Like down Temple Bar, if you... Wait, let me try and think. How would you put it? Oh, if you want... You know, that's a place to go now if you want to be stuck in a loud... in a large crowd and catch a disease. That's... Go down to Temple Bar. And this is the punchline. You go... And don't go down to Temple Bar. And that's before the fucking virus. <laughs> and that's before coronavirus. That's even without coronavirus. That happens every... every you get a disease there in any week. All right, uh, maybe not. But anyway, listen, thanks for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Brilliant Chain. Follow me on Instagram at Brilliant Chain. I'm going to get it right this time. Follow. You can s- support the podcast at Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Shane's Brilliant Podcast. Yes. It's the first time I've ever gotten it right. First time. So you can sign up there if you want. And uh, other than that, I'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and live and try and get more um, content <laughs> to talk about. I just rambled on there for I don't know how long about nothing. Now I'm going to finish my beer and, um, you know, and may God bless you all and, uh, you know, stay safe, wear a mask. Don't go shitting and pissing in the street if you're going drinking. And other than that, uh, cheers, nice one, thanks, and hobnob. God bless you all.